0: I want to tell you about a few things. First, Orthodox at Work. It's a new monthly podcast series that I'll be doing with Sean Reed, an Orthodox deacon and business coach. It will be featured on the Dad Devotionals podcast at the end of each month, starting in June. We will discuss how to live out orthodoxy in the workplace and your business. Secondly, please show your support for the IOCC, or International Orthodox Christian Charities. I'm spreading the word about their DIY fundraising initiative. do it Yourself for IOCC is a chance to raise awareness and funds in creative ways. You're inspired, now do something about it. Decide how you will make an impact for this cause you care about so much. Show the world your passion as you bring your vision to life. Get involved at iocc.org/diy. Now let's get to today's interview. Hey guys, welcome to Dad Devotionals. This is interview number 2 in our Dad's of Orthodoxy series highlighting Orthodox Christian fathers from the Dads of Orthodoxy Facebook group. You can check it out at facebook.com groups Dads of Orthodoxy. Joining me today is Andrew Angel. He converted to Orthodoxy in 2017 from Catholicism. He's the dad of Irish twins, and he's also a server and choir member. Andrew, welcome to Dad Devotionals. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you, let's just get right to it. So can you tell us about your Orthodox journey? What drew you to the faith?
1: Uh, I was drawn to the faith. Uh, I kind of grew up as a old school Catholic and that um, went to kind of a a Latin mass type church uh, before that was really a big thing. Um, And as I got older, uh, I moved away from my diocese uh so away from that church and when i moved to where i currently reside the diocese of youngstown uh i couldn't really find a church that i really could connect with uh just on a kind of a, a practicing level that just um there there was kind of a shallowness that's just kind of an embedded problem um in a lot of catholic dioceses so uh i was very disconnected for a long time and i was always trying to learn more uh along the lines of trying to figure out how to get back to how things used to be. And I knew enough to know that just going to a Tridentine Latin mass, wasn't how things used to be, that there was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of history before that. So uh, just through different podcasts and things, I kind of, I got in touch with Eastern Catholics who, as I learned more about some of their history and their practices, Went back further than the things that I knew about. And eventually I decided to just kind of take a long shot. And on a Facebook group, I reached out to some folks and said, Hey, you know, there's this local Orthodox church. I'm going to go check it out. Is there anything that I need to know before I go? And uh, two priests in the area emailed me that same day. And I ended up kind of playing eeny, miny, miny, moan, picking one. And my wife and I, after a couple uh, a couple of attempts, uh, finally landed there on a Sunday morning, and literally we never we never stopped.
0: So that's really interesting, Andrew. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, I, I actually my myself I'm a convert from from Catholicism too. I, I grew up with it. You know, everything between grade school, high school, college, and even now I'm even enrolled in an MBA program at a Catholic school. So it's something that's really been a part of my life. So it was interesting to to make that transition and not, I guess, guess not call the Pope number one anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that uh, I think that for a lot of people becomes one of the, the biggest struggles is yeah. uh, if you can overcome looking at the Pope as kind of the end all be all. If you can't overcome that, it's going to be impossible to convert. Exactly, exactly. Uh,
0: so can you tell us about your family? What What are some of the things you guys do to live out the faith at home?
1: Yeah, so uh, my wife and I, we got two kids, Alexi and Theodora. Uh, obviously, they're both young. Alexi is two, Theodora is one. So uh, on a practical level, there's not a whole lot they can do other than we just try to keep them quiet uh, <laughs> sure. when we're doing things. Uh, so uh we've tried to pick up on some of the different customs and things uh from our church we go to a, uh, one of the moscow patriarchal parishes uh one thing that we definitely we've incorporated in our lives is something simple we all celebrate our names days uh you know we do a special meal the kids get you know a small gift we do like a little cake things like that um so keep you know uh, partake in some of those more joyous things uh, and of course, one thing that you know, especially coming from a Catholic background that we're not used to, is trying our hardest to partake in the cycles of fasting, uh, which definitely keep your they keep your mind present on the fact that orthodoxy isn't really just a, a Sunday obligation; it's it's a lifestyle. Uh, and then you know, one of the big, you know the biggest focal points in our home, and I guess in our lives, is we put we put our icon corner right in our dining room. And it's, especially since I'm home a lot, it's one of the things that I put, uh, possibly an inordinate amount of time into, you know, we have, you know, lots of lampadas and things and I'm always adding more. And, uh, probably as our family and friends have seen, you know, as we have kind of come into orthodoxy, uh, the icon corner in in our dining room has kind of grown like a sapling with us. Um, So we just, we try to make sure that, you know, orthodoxy is present, you know, trying to keep up on doing prayers with our kids, especially, even though, you know, obviously they can't recite them or anything. Uh, We want them to hear it. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, as soon as we can get them to do the action, uh, you know, we want them learning how to venerate icons. And that's one thing my wife kind of made in her project when our song hit around maybe one and a half uh, you know, we have a little tiny cross upstairs that, you know, he's learning to kiss the cross and kiss icons and things like that. So a lot of, you know, we really just tried to do a lot of um, the more of the repetitive things to try to kind of build habits.
0: Yeah, sure. No, no well, I, I can tell you, I, I have a son who's four and a daughter who's two. And one of the more beautiful things you get to see as a parent is when they get to walk up their, you know, arms crossed themselves and you still got to pick them up to receive, but you know, <laughs> it, it, that's pretty special. And also, you know, seeing my son do the frustrations and everything is, is, is pretty neat too. Just, you know, I mean, cause obviously I'm, I'm a convert, you know, you, you get to see it for, through their eyes and um, they have a grandfather who's an iconographer as well. Uh, so they get to see his icons in the church and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's real cool. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the struggles though that you face as a dad and how do you use the faith to help you
1: through that? Oh man, there's so many struggles. I guess as a dad, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, from a, a stay-at-home dad point, uh, a lot of the struggle is uh, <clears throat> obviously mo- most people who are in my position, it was kind of just a, a roll of the dice how we ended up here. Sure, and it can be it can be really tough. Uh, you know, obviously my wife's the one who's working; I'm the one who's home with the kids, so that can that can have a weird kind of effect on your, on your mind. You know, you, if you don't keep things in perspective that can get, you know, causes of anxiety and division. And, uh, you know, the one thing that, you know, the faith has really helped me out with is, you know, kind of no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm, whether I'm taking care of kids or should the, the roles change and I go back out and work, uh, the faith life of the family is still really, it's my, my responsibility and my domain, uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife and I make sure that, uh, you know, I kind of take charge on that. She kind of steps back a little bit, you know, so especially during these last several months of, uh, you know, online services and things like that. Uh, I'm the one who is organizing the typica and finding the variable parts for the reader services. And, you know, even during the week, um, you know, I got a close group of friends together on a video call, and we did various canons in acathists, you know, on a mm-hmm. daily basis to try to just try to keep the faith life alive when most of us weren't able to go to church. Uh, so really, uh, my faith life, the biggest thing that I do is I just stay connected to it. And if I do that, everything seems to work itself out. And if I try to pull away, I notice that's when things in the regular part of life tend to get worse.
0: Yeah, no, no, I can tell you that for sure. Uh, that I, I, I experienced that as well. So, I mean, especially right now, it's been a very trying time. I know my wife has spent each week just, you know, just upset that she could, just can't even, you know, uh, approach the cup, um, let alone, you know, experience the fullness of the service. So, you, you you touched on it on 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 a little bit there, but can you tell us a little more about? you know, how the difficulty in in adjusting to the online service, and I guess now, whether or not you have a church that is uh, opening up, at least in a, in a small capacity with social distancing or whatever, but at least you're able to, you're able to get to go there in some fashion.
1: Yeah, so when this started, um, it, was, it was kind of a shock, because I feel like, I think for a lot of us, it kind of came out of nowhere, really. Yeah. You know, I was aware of, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a news hound. I, wa- I watch probably too much of it. And, you know, I was th- I was listening to things about COVID in probably early February. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at the beginning of March, bam, you know, churches are closing and things like that. Right. Uh, you know, the services were a shock. And I think the first weekend, um, we kind of just went through the motions. We weren't really sure. So, so we woke up on Sunday morning and didn't have anywhere to go. So, we, you know, I put the service at our church on TV, and my wife and I, it took us about 20 minutes to decide that um, that really wasn't, just wasn't working. Great for the kids, because they, they can hear the sounds, they recognize it. Sure. And then um, we we ended up uh, deciding we were going to do type of services, which as converts, we never really did, because for the most part, we... Uh, you know we went to the services when they were available um, give me one second I'm get to get away from the it's okay
0: yeah. no worries <laughs> then-
1: yeah
0: all right, and we're back. sorry about the well I guess as us dads we all understand the the trying times of right now with with kids, especially now I mean you're you're a stay at home dad so you deal with the 24 seven anyway right
1: yeah and try to uh, burn off that energy when you can't go to the park and things like that is uh,
0: yours or theirs
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding bull. all of us yeah (laughs) um yeah you know the the online services you know my wife and i decided they're great uh our the older members are a parish like them and that's good if it keeps them connected you know but you know at the same time that the services disappeared i got Uh, You know, I'd mentioned I started doing like a daily uh, thing of prayers with some friends. So, you know, I went to my priest and I got permission to do that. And I I invited a small group of guys. There's uh, three to four of us, depending. And, you know, we did that. We did that every day. And one of the guys in there is also um, in the St. Stephen's program over at Antioch Village. Okay. And you know, he and I had discussed how really, you know, if we're able and we have the ability and the means, then we should be trying to do, you know, these these different reader services. So mm-hmm. uh, I made that a priority, you know, especially uh, for Sunday liturgy. Uh, you know, we organized our gospel and our epistle and the typical, We did that, and that's that's really how we survived. A lot of uh, you know daily canons and akathists with my friends to kind of keep me attached and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trying to just get some semblance of kind of a at least a Sunday liturgical life, even if we weren't, of course, able to, you know, to go to our church. Um, And we've been, we were fortunate. We, as a parish, I think we're in a kind of a different situation than a lot of people. Uh, We're in Ohio, we're in the Youngstown area, and we're the only, we're the only patriarchal parish anywhere near us. Um, And Ohio kind of has an exemption has had an exemption for churches uh and bishop matthew our our current uh bishop his instructions were essentially follow your local guidelines uh so in ohio our local guidelines are we never technically had to close so our priest he ran the church with a skeleton crew for about four or five weeks and then right after Pascha, uh that really kind of came to an end uh then we kind of changed it to where if you were comfortable to come back come back and we had some smaller services at first like uh you know a few of us gathered for agape vespers on uh, Pascha in the afternoon uh you know we did basket blessings together and then we kind of built up from there going back to regular you know people starting to come to vigils and come to liturgy and things like that and uh we've kind of that's kind of been our status quo. So we've been very fortunate because I know that some of the other, uh, jurisdictions haven't been quite as lenient as, uh, as ours has.
0: Yeah, no, that's really special. I just wanted to go back to the the services that you guys were doing, just the the three or four of you that had to be really special, especially during, uh, you know, especially during Pasca, um, that, that season when we couldn't be in church. So what was that like? What was it like being able to just have that, um, you know that, the, like you said, a lot of us didn't get to have that, so that had to be something really. Um, that almost deepened your faith in a lot of ways uh, because it, you know you're you're in it and you're involved and you're. It's really intimate with with three or four of you. Um, so, can you tell us about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, you know, it started off. I wasn't, you know, when I got this permission from my from, from Father Mike, my priest, I didn't even really know what I was going to do with it. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I knew I wanted to do something and I knew it's always best to ask. And that was my starting point. And at first, uh, you know, involved this cracking open the horror Logan and there is uh, three or four canons in the very back of the book. And, you know, I had uh, uh, one guy who is members in the same Stevens program. I had another guy uh, who was a, a recent convert. And then another fellow, uh friend of mine who is stuck right now in the the cubinal phase because he can't uh, he can't get he can't get the chrismation uh and i just said like what is what is everyone feeling you know here's here's the options and here's the books i have so you know what books do you guys have we can try to figure out what we can all at least read and the first one was a total train wreck you know we we were at a canon and i wasn't super familiar with reading canons on my own i kind of take it for granted that uh you know most of the time that I've ever heard them I've been on the altar so you know there's a choir and a fully knowledgeable priest doing that and I'm kind of in la la land I guess <laughs> um so I just kind of pl- I just kind of plowed through it, reading them just hodgepodge and just wrong and everything else but uh you know it it, it kind of just like anything was cultivated so the guy that uh who's definitely more knowledgeable than me we got on track so Uh, within about a week we were able to we started singing the canons and we had uh, the different parts being filled and uh, right around the same time right before the COVID crisis kind of stopped churches I had switched from serving to going into the choir so I was also trying to on my own learn about the different tones and things so it was a, a very cultivating experience I you know I really really enjoyed it and it was a great way for you know, not just me, but, you know, my three other friends to stay connected to their faith, especially, you know, the guys who are very, uh my one friend, he just came into the church in January. And then, you know, so he had less than a month really before things went nuts, you know, and the other friend who of course is stuck, unable to leave his uh, catechumen behind. And it was good for them because it allowed them to, you know, kind of have something going on, especially during Lent, you know, and, sure. and if they, you know, they've all talked to other Orthodox people, they know that Lent is a busy, busy season for us, and they unfortunately, you know, miss some of it, and we tried to replicate what we can, you know, reading the Canon of St. Andrew and trying to do some of those other services, um, but it definitely it definitely helped it helped keep everyone grounded you know on the weekends we took the weekend off and I usually ended up being kind of bummed that uh you know I didn't have my 12 p.m uh video call to look forward to yeah and now as things have kind of slid back more towards normalcy I've definitely I kind of missed it so every now and then when when people are available we still we still keep it going if we can.
0: No, that that's beautiful. I I appreciate you sharing that because you know I, I think it's important to learn you know different ways that others were getting through that time and and even some of us you know still trying to get through it and and it's and it's kind of cool that you know you found something that not only did it help you through then that you know the difficult time period not being able to go to church but then it also is something that you want to carry with you and you know that that's actually when I started this podcast was in was in mid March and you know here we are middle of June and it's still going mm-hmm. strong. I'm able to interview, you know, guys like you. And it's just been a real blessing, I think, not only to myself, but also uh, I-, I hope to other people. Um, so, Andrew, uh, I want to ask you, what is something that you're praying for right
1: now? Oh, man, that that was just long. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us, like, uh, give us like, yeah. like, the top thing, maybe. You know, honestly, uh, and it's, maybe it's selfish on my part, The the number one thing I pray for, well, the, number, the two top things I pray for is one. Uh, I, I earnestly, I really, I pray for uh, unity, some sort of unity to come back to Catholicism between Catholicism and Orthodoxy. Because the truth be told is, you know, uh, they might some might argue that there's not really a, a culture per se that comes with Catholicism, uh, beside from some certain European cultures, you know, the Poles and the Hungarians and things like that. But, you know, to me, I think Catholicism had its own culture, you know, it's, you know, it had the, its own, you know, terminology and the bravery and its own little things. And, you know, one of the biggest struggles for me sometimes is I miss what I grew up with and seeing what divides the East and the West. is. I, on some days it feels silly and on other days it feels like mount everest yeah. and i yeah. i really hope that yeah i really hope that it could be fixed someday uh and you know not only for all of cal you know classes to be you know back in union with the other patriarchs but you know then you know we wouldn't have to kind of you know unfortunately kind of jump ship and abandon you know, in many cases, friends and families, and it causes, you know, a lot of hardship. You know, I have family that was not happy with my choice, and we don't talk. And, you know, my buddy stuck in the catechumenate, uh, he came out of a Catholic seminary, and he, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, he didn't make a lot of friends with this choice. Okay. Uh, so I pray for that unity, uh, because the divisions just doesn't help, doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, until that happens, of course you know i'm gonna have to stay where things are you know still going on correctly because unfortunately the catholic church is just such a mess right now Uh, and then the number the the second thing i pray for is uh i really just pray uh for intercession every day to to just be better to be better at being uh you know an orthodox father uh you know a member of the Orthodox Church and to leave behind you know the selfishness and laziness that you know I myself carry with me because those are for me my two my two biggest struggles is to not get lazy and to not be selfish, so mm. that is uh you know every time I walk into church there's a a big tall icon of um St John of San Francisco to the right, and I immediately uh, I go there first usually, and that's usually my first prayer is you know. Just help me do whatever whatever task it is. I am I'm there for that day to do it better and to to try to do it a little more selflessly, at least. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you being open and, and vulnerable for that, and and, and uh, giving us some insight into your into your prayer life. Uh, last question I got for you: Can you give us a piece of scripture or a quote from the fathers or any parting advice that helps you live out orthodoxy? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I can't tell you where it came from. It's a phrase I think a lot of us, especially on Facebook, are familiar with. But it's been one I've been attached to even since I uh, encountered Orthodoxy officially. Mm -hmm. And I have always kept uh, the brother where you're going to die in the the very front of my mind. Uh, You know, some say that the Orthodox are rather morbid for our our preoccupation with (laughs) death. But, uh, you know, you you can encounter so many fathers and saints who... Say the Same message in different and very eloquent uh, terms. And that is, if you don't forget that you're going to die someday, then you'll never sin. Or at least in most of our cases, maybe we'll sin less, hopefully. Um, and that's the number one guiding thing. Uh, you know, I try to remember that <clears throat> I could die tonight in my sleep uh, or I could die 40 years from now. And I don't know when it's going to come, just like we don't know when Christ is coming back to, uh, to judge the living and the dead. We have to be prepared, and I try to make that my number one guiding principle, because that's where the buck stops for all of us. Thank
0: you. Andrew, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your openness and your honesty. And we wish you uh, and your family the best, and God bless you.
1: Thank you. I definitely appreciate
0: it. No problem at all. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.